Welcome to To Serve and Distract, a podcast by John Holt and Ryan O'Connor. Hey there. All right, it looks like you're in there. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yep. Sounds good. Okay. All righty. And it looks like uh, we can upload this as soon as it's done, but... um, just want to say hello and welcome to the first uh, episode of our podcast. I'm John Holt and Ryan O'Connor, and uh, we're uh, we're still working on the title, the music, all that. Um, but we're we're trying to uh, get a little introduction, have something uh, so um, everybody can kind of know where we're at, uh, know where we're coming from. Um, so I thought it'd be a good idea to just sit down, uh, for a couple minutes and, uh, just give a little introduction about ourselves. Um, uh, do you want me to go first or do you want to go first, Ryan? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So, uh, just a little bit about me. Um, um, basically Ryan and I are, uh, cousins. We've, Grown up together um, in northern Minnesota, um, way up in the Great North. Um, uh, uh, when I was about 18, I joined the, the Air Force, the Air National Guard specifically uh, the, in Minnesota. And I served there for about seven years. And uh, after that, I moved down to Texas. Uh, Served with the Texas Air National Guard for a while, and uh, now I'm with the Oregon Air National Guard, so I'm on the opposite side of the country from Ryan. Um, I have a pretty good background in the military. Um, I've worked on airplanes, uh, F-16s mostly, but a little bit of everything um, as a sheet metal technician. So, um, like... One of the things when we were talking about doing our podcast is maybe talking about there's a lot of people who are um, shipping off to BASIC or AIT or um, BMT in the Air Force, maybe have questions. Um, Ryan will go over it, but he has a pretty strong military background as well. Um, besides that, while I was in the Air Force, I was able to get my uh, associate's degree in aviation maintenance, which is just in the Air Force, it's kind of once you get your training done and you get to a certain point, you take the extra step and take a couple of college classes and then your um, stuff kind of transfers over. Um, I liked school enough after that. So I went back and in 2014, I was able to earn my uh, bachelor's of science in criminal justice. Um, and that kind of stuff, law and uh, law enforcement, community policing, those kind of things have always kind of interested me since why I got my degree in that area. Um, besides that, um, basically, um, I like, uh, doing stuff around the house, uh, being outside, things like that. Um, right now I just have one kid, uh, she's two, almost three. And, uh, one thing that Ryan and I used to do together that I'm trying to get back into right now is, um, 
We used to do uh, search and rescue with a program called Civil Air Patrol when we were in high school. And I'm actually trying to get back into that to volunteer with that again. So then eventually one day uh, my kid can uh, do that as well. Um, so, Ryan, what, what's a little bit of, uh, about yourself? Well, it's going to sound a little bit less impressive. Um, so, yeah, around the same time, John went into the Air National Guard. I went into the uh, Minnesota Army National Guard. Um, went through AIT for, uh, well, it was OSET training, actually. So it was one station training for um, Cavs Coat. And I've been doing that approximately the last 12 years. Um, I got one deployment. I know John's got one to Afghanistan. Mine's to um, Kuwait. We did like a long haul convoy mission into Iraq and back. And uh, yeah, I mean, after I got in there, um, I bounced around at other jobs. Uh, you know, I worked at a factory. Um, while I was going to school, I uh, bounced at a nightclub. Um, did what's called uh, loss prevention for a supermarket chain, basically catching shoplifters. Went through school for law enforcement, um, ended up landing a job as a corrections officer uh, at a jail, and I've been doing that for the past uh, four years. No, oh, that's nice. nice. Yeah. So, um, how about uh, how about any hobbies or anything? Yeah, I'm just like a I don't know what you want to call it, like a student of history, I guess. Yeah. Um, I I know we've had a lot of discussions. Uh, basically, as far back as I can remember, I think you've been interested in a certain time period of American history, and uh, know quite a lot about it. But it's a uh, World War II era. Mm-hmm. So um, that's always interesting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, pretty much anything uh, 1900 to, you know, Cold War era is pretty interesting to me as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, they always say, you know, those who ignore history are doomed to repeat it. Yes. So that's always good. Um, You know, when we had talked about making this podcast, you know, it's just kind of more of a fun thing. You know, we we have a lot of different topics to talk about, um, but, um, you know, we've talked about ranging, talking about the military, talking about politics, history, things like that. You know, all of those things I feel like are just, there's so much information there. And it's, I think as a society, we really just end up picking and choosing what we really want to hear. <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. oh yeah, but, for sure, for sure. But you've even uh, mentioned things like, you know, different tactics and uh, different political stances that happened during the Cold War are still in place either today or we've changed them. You know, we've changed the way that we fight for a specific purpose. You know, based on things that have happened. You know, like uh, they always say, the the military fights the last the last war that they were in, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess, you know, what we've, what we've seen, uh, <laughs> I guess World War II is almost unprecedented in history because 
uh, I mean, the massive amount of effort that the United States goes through to maintain the strength in peacetime. I mean, it's, it's like I said, literally unprecedented because I mean, usually you kind of, you kind of, you put some money into the military almost on life support. And then when the actual war kicks off, they do what they can until they get the funding and the people and they just beef it up to, you know, 10 times your original strength. Well, I mean, we've kept a standing military with a massive budget, you know, the entire time. Um, yeah. And I mean, I guess one thing I hadn't gone through before, maybe you mentioned some of what, but you know, like um, we would sit here and talk for like, you know, an hour or more at times. Um, just bouncing off current events that we were going through and uh, thoughts we had on things. We're not highly educated people. Um, I think you got a bachelor's. I just got the associates, but uh, you know, we do have some experience um, in the world, so to speak. And uh, you know, we just thought, shit, you know, we're going through all this effort. <laughs> it might be worthwhile to, you know, just put it out there in case somebody else was interested. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that, and that's the thing too, is um, the, the biggest lesson that I learned in college is that a bachelor's degree really means that you can write papers really well and you can regurgitate information. You can come to a conclusion from what you've read, but it doesn't necessarily like, Oh, I have a bachelor's degree. That means I know more than you. Well, maybe on a subject, you know, <laughs> I, I think the most beneficial class that I ever took in college was uh, I took a critical thinking class and it was funny because the, the teacher was insanely biased in one way. And that was her way. Her way was the best, her way, you know, like you would talk to her and you're like, that's not what the material is saying. And she just, she was having none of it. So, you know, I really, I, I tried to beat her at her own game because like even today you read um, like an article, you know, article in the newspaper, um, you know, and you, you start looking at certain things like, okay, there's this sentence in here that doesn't really fit, but it propels the story in one way, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, um, it, the story is about, Middle Eastern politics, but it's written by, you know, the fashion editor, like (laughs) certain things you're just, you start looking at and you're like, okay, you know, this is how I break down if, if this is legitimate or not, you know, um, allusions to various unnamed sources, like really, you know, like, uh, you know, where do you have any corroboration? Do you have any, actual evidence you you know it's certain things like that it it really shaped my whole perspective on things you know because you go from oh i see it in print that means that it's true to oh um you know people can put whatever they want in print and they do you know so um yeah i think uh i think that there's yeah, I think I think there's, just on that point, I think there's been an explosion of that uh, type of thinking in the past uh, few years mm-hmm. um, in journalism, anyway. Um, just from my perspective, um, you know, I think unnamed sources were always kind of an important part of mm-hmm. it, but uh, some you had to use sparingly, 
and if possible, you'd find somebody else. Um, and the fact that they didn't use them all that often kind of led credence to it. Um, you know, they're like, oh, okay, they're not naming the source. They must have a good reason for it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's always been there, but now it's like, well, it almost, you know, more, it almost political articles. Yeah. Like, they'll allude to it. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people just don't think they have the goods because they'll say uh, unnamed senior source. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's like, they might have, you know, the vice president and secretary of state, but I kind of doubt yeah. it. Um, you know, because they've been using senior sources for the past three years. And this is just related to the executive branch. Pretty much any. Well, I mean, that, that does, uh, that, that does bring up certain things, you know, like, um, I always kind of feel like, like journalism today is, is kind of lazy. Um, it's more reactive as opposed to proactive. Like I was always taught that if you're going to write on a source, your unnamed source or your leak or whatever is more your, your, uh, direction that you're going. And it's, it's on you to dig up the actual information that, you know, like uh, Deep Throat, for instance. Deep Throat was a huge leak. A lot of it couldn't be talked about, but then, you know, there's a lot of pieces that fell into place. You know, it's a huge conspiracy. And I, I think, you know, as every scandal or every controversy is now named like a gate, you know, like the Watergate scandal. I think it kind of takes away from how big of a deal that actually was back in the day, you know? Um, you know, if you want to go into it, Ryan, um, that was one of the, the journalism angle was one of the angles that, you know, I was going to talk about with the whole, um, virus, um, talk that we're through right now. I'm sure everybody's being affected by that. Yeah, no, yeah, that's a good segue because uh, journalism is a massive part of the whole deal. Um, I guess my thoughts with this, uh, we're talking about coronavirus now. Um, you know, how quickly it ballooned and it kind of just seemed to take mm-hmm. shape. Um, I think, and I, I looked into this a little bit last night. Um, you know, I think basically the problem that we've been facing is uh, the inadequacies of journalism right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everyone has their news agencies, their local news to put out important information. But uh, there's just been a lot of. Um, sensationalism with it yeah um i think okay long story short i think what what happened was you know uh people have been predicting doomsday for you know decades uh seriously and unseriously i mean you have you have your doomsday prophets you know in any era they say the end of the world is coming because you know the mayan calendar ran out or because it's 1900 or something like that should mean something significant um but you have your academia you know or you know people who publish stuff that, you know, they say that the New York is supposed to be 40 feet underwater yeah. right now. Um, 
the rising sea levels. And, uh, you know, we were told time and again that these other pandemics were so scary. Uh, SARS, Zika, swine flu. Uh, you know, swine flu. Yeah, and I mean they they were obviously serious as you know serious and like a localized uh, Ebola oh, was another yeah. one. They were serious in like a localized setting, and I think strong action taken by local government and in some cases you know our federal government you know kind of mitigated that risk. And uh, the <laughs> the problem with getting it right, um, you know, kind of like in war, if you get it right, then you kind of tell the rest on your yeah. morals. Um, and, uh, you know, whether they got it right or if we just got lucky all those times, uh, nobody really expected. I didn't really expected, you know, this this Chinese coronavirus to be effective. Yeah. And the problem is, you know, when people are constantly telling you that the end of the world is nigh um, and you just don't believe it, um, you know, now you're now you're discounting uh, people. You know, I don't have any special education in uh, virology or how pandemics spread. But, you know, because of my bias, I'm like, oh, you know what? I don't believe this thing. So I think it kind of caught everyone off yeah. guard. Um, well, and I think something that's not really talked about is uh, how it caught the media off and, guard. And that, because the media... I was, was going to bring up that point. Oh, sorry, because it, To me, have you been able to watch any of the press briefings? Um, yeah, I've watched a few, like, yeah. To me, um, just watching that, like... I try and take a more independent, you know, like look at it, you know, like, why are you asking the questions? Why are you giving this answer? It's very, very tense in, uh, in that press room for certain reasons, but looking at the media's response and the questions that they're asking, they feel like they're three steps behind, you know, like the things that they're asking, the things that they're reporting on are things that are happening. And like, yeah, I do remember you with, said that. With yeah. how fast our news cycle is going, like you can't be reacting um, to the story. You have to you have to be breaking it. So you know, like there's certain things, like even when um, they were having briefings and they're saying, "Hey, this coronavirus is coming." I mean, yeah, of course, I discounted it as well. I was like, but um, the the news media seemed to take one step beyond that. As soon as the white house came out and said, Hey, this coronavirus is coming. They're like, that's, that's ridiculous. You know, like uh, the world health organization backed them up and said, there's no human to human uh, um, transmission, things like that. Um, and then it, which that's another, that's a whole other conspiracy. Yeah. Angle. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, and then it just seems like every step of the way, um, the White House announced that there's a possibility of some medication that taken in conjunction could uh, lessen the symptoms of the coronavirus. And immediately, instead of mm-hmm. uh, looking into it, researching it, looking at the studies, you know, very small studies, very little uh, data at this point because it's so early on in this. Instead, you know, they went it went more of like an ad hominem approach, you know, an attack to the man, you know, um, well, this guy isn't a doctor. He's just a president. He's a businessman. He doesn't know anything. He's touting this, this unproven drug. And it's like, well, you know, where, what, what do you want to do? You know, there's, 
there's no like coming out of this. <laughs> you know, it just seems like like it's a reactionary approach. It's not, hey, um, you know, like for instance, if I was looking at the numbers uh, yesterday, I haven't seen them today, but based purely statistically, the U.S. has about 20% of the cases or 25% of the cases across the world, right? But our death toll mm-hmm. is half of what the world's statistics are. You know, that's that's one. Yeah, I've, I've, got, I've got thoughts on some of this stuff. But, I mean, yeah, for, for that specifically, we've – I think, you know, because of the huge push to testing that we have, a, a larger proportion of our population testing. Exactly. You. you know, there, um, there, there has to be a know, and we're actually and we're actually publishing our stats you know we're not like uh doctoring them or well so it's just ridiculous i guess okay so um gotta hit on you you went on a few things there and uh um basically you know i think we covered it right away um or you did uh we both kind of come from a relatively conservative background um i do consider myself you know independent if Somebody, I think, from any political party has a good idea. I'll get behind them. Um, you know, for instance, and this is, you know, part of growing up or whatever, but I did vote for uh, Barack Obama in 2008, and I didn't vote for anyone in mm-hmm. 2012. Um, you know, and it just kind of like, I voted for Trump in 2016, and I can't think of any reason why I wouldn't vote for him in 2020. And that's something I don't really like that, uh, you know, I feel like people who publish information, um, people who uh, in news media, um, journalism, they kind of act like they're going to be fair and balanced, but they take a very definitive stand. um, You know, certain certain newspapers, certain news outlets, you know, you know what you're going to get. But other ones, it almost seems like they'll take a tone um, where they'll be like, oh, you know, we're just reporting the news, just the facts, ma'am. You know, but somehow the facts always seem to go in one direction. And you're like, okay, but even a lot of averages, you know, this, this should there should be some slanting well, this way, you know. Like, like um, to me, I always say, like, no person is irredeemable. You know, like, like, I get it. You know, this person has opinions that aren't like your own, but... I think it would say more about you as a person if you were able to say, hey, look, this coronavirus response, I think I think Trump's doing the right thing, you know, on this specific thing. I don't think he's doing the right thing on this, you know, but when you say he has never mm-hmm. done any right towards you in any way, I think it really weakens an argument. Yeah, and it kind of calls into uh, question, you know, um, the sources, um, and this is kind of like the same thing with, you know, constantly predicting doomsday and then you don't expect doomsday. You're constantly predicting scandal and incompetence and just graft, mm-hmm. you know, just any, anything, you know, at one second he's a dictator, then the next second he's a clown, you know, and it's like at this point, you know, all of a sudden they put out this bombshell. Maybe there would be a bombshell, you know, like KGB agent or, you know, FSB agent caught, you know, leaving the White House uh, with sensitive documents, you know, I would probably blow it off at this point, you know, and that's part of the problem is like, uh, I think, you know, a lot of the reason that Trump supporters have really, you know, hardened their support around him 
is because of the constant attack, the, you know, constant, uh, you know, he says witch hunts, you know, but persecution, you know, it's like, yeah. it, even when he, even when he says reasonable things or does reasonable things, like you were saying with this, uh, you know, this, uh, I can't pronounce it, but it's the uh, anti-malarial mm-hmm. drug. You know, they'll say, he says, oh, it sounds like a good idea. I have good feelings about it. No definitive statement. No saying, hey, based on my background as a businessman, you should do this. And then some guy, some poor guy somewhere, um, <laughs> you know, it's not funny, but, you know, drinks a gallon of... Uh, well, there's, there's, there's and, issues with that story that that goes back to journalism as well. Um, I'll go over that in, in a minute. I did some background research on that story, actually. But, um, oh, yeah, yeah. I'll let you get that one. But, I mean, in, in other cases, they have, like, you know, oh, we ran out of anti-malarials because people just bought them up. And it's like, all right, well, you can't chalk up your misfortune to, you know, Trump. It's You can chalk it up to stupidity, well, you know. Should we blame Trump because the toilet paper ran out or because, you know, this ran out? No, you know, he's he's got to say something. He's got to put something out there. And all he put out was, hey, there's light at the end of the tunnel. We might have some good news from this drug. He didn't say buy up everything well, or whatever. And, uh, you know, people's actions on that the, point. The other like, thing you got to you got to remember on on that is that's a prescribed medicine. So so who is your if, if Trump's not an expert on medicine, right? Who's buying this medicine? That's going to be hospital administrators. That's going to be pharmacies. That's going to be doctors. You know, there have been uh, a few cases where there was a certain governor, I believe it was in Michigan, basically put a moratorium on prescribing or using that medication for that treatment until it turned out that there was a study that it worked and the FDA approved it. And then she turned around and she was petitioning the White House to give more uh, doses. I think it was Nevada. It was the same sort of thing. They said, "Okay, we're not we're not allowing this for use in this treatment." And then, as soon as the FDA turned around and said that it was all right for use, Nevada it turned out had been sitting on a stockpile of like however many pills, you know. So it's like, you know, like who who is your expert? You know, are you going to find? Well, this expert agrees with me. Well, this expert. You know, I'm going to discount this guy because he agrees with you. <laughs> it's like, oh, 100%. Yeah. What was your what was your thing with the uh, background research for this uh, drain cleaner? Or the, so, uh, um, I was looking into it a little bit. I I actually read a story. I'm not sure on the actual source, so I'm not going to mention it. I'm not going to say that it was entirely credible or not. But I also watched uh, a Stephen Crowder video. <laughs> which take it as you want um but many times he presents his information very biased but he actually has information but um there's there's some suspicious uh goings on with that uh um person who took the drain cleaner um allegedly they were going through a divorce and kind of suspicious circumstances on like why the husband died after, you know, there had been a history of um, uh, physical abuse from the wife and things like that. So um, I, I don't know if I 
find that whole story as credible as people think, especially since it's like a one-off story that happened immediately after. Like, like think about it. Trump brought that up. You know, this, this might be the treatment. And then like a day later, suddenly fish cleaner and one person died immediately. And then the media jumped on this story, you know, with very little facts behind it. You know, they weren't releasing the name. They weren't releasing where, where the location was at first. And then they released that and things like that. So I don't know if I really follow that line of thinking that, you know, Donald Trump killed this person because of, you know, blah, blah, blah. All right. Well, okay. So we're about a half hour in right now. One thing I did want to talk about, um, and maybe you have some special insight into this. I've looked into it a little bit, and it's kind of falling mm-hmm. off the news cycle. But, uh, uh, you know, I don't just broadly lay it out there. Um, you know, federal government and state government are mainly the, uh, if you want to call it, the fighters of this fight. Um, a lot of it has fallen on the states, like you said. Michigan was trying to get this pill. Um, and then Nevada was sitting on a bunch of them. Um, but, you know, that's sort of kind of across the board as far as acquiring supplies for your state. Mm-hmm. It's kind of on the governor with, as I understand it, backup mm-hmm. from the federal government. Um, federal government will give you stuff, uh, you know, kind of try to apportion what they have. Um, but the states are doing a lot of it. Um, one thing, and by the way, I think that has mm-hmm. actually gone pretty well. Um and you can you can talk politics all day. I actually kind of like uh, how Andrew Cuomo has been handling uh, the New York crisis, and um, you know it seems like they're fair and balanced. But if you t- if you hear some of these governor governors and they have sound bites, you know even on what you might call like liberal progressive uh, news stations, they'll actually say like you know we don't agree with Trump. We're involved with lawsuits with Trump, um, you know, and it's unsaid, but that's their ideological foe. But you know, they kind of compartmentalize, you know, they, Hey, we can walk and chew gun at the same time. We can, we can oppose this person on the one hand, but for this specific Mm -hmm. crisis, we're working together. Um, for the legislative branch, I've just been dumbfounded. Um, you know, they pass a bill right away, um, which I kind of thought they would pass everything right away, but they passed the bill right away. Uh, a small bill, um, and then they go to pass this large, you know, two and a half or two trillion dollar bill. And uh, the politicking mm. that went on, it was just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, you know, and it kind of seemed like they have a they have a quote and I'm not sure if it's, he's actually admitted to it or what. But from uh, the Democratic whip saying, oh, this is a unique opportunity to change, uh, change things to our perspective. So essentially, you know, like. Uh, they have <laughs> this huge advantage supposedly over Republicans and they're going to use it to uh, push their worldview um, through legislation. You know, so what, what you do, know, I, I have been now? following that and it, it's, it's good you brought that up because I kind of feel like, like that is the worst, like that's the most tone deaf response I think I've ever seen. Um, now, 
you were saying before, you know, you came from a more conservative background, you're more independent. I did as well, but I, I identify closer to like, not on everything, but more like a libertarian. So I, I don't always sure. agree with the laws and things like that, you know, and especially like the more rushed a law is, um, you know, when you're not thinking about the whole scope of who's going to be affected by it, I don't think it's always practical, but the response. Yeah, in general, that was a very rushed uh, yeah. piece of legislation. And it, I guess I thought it would have been just argument. Every response from a certain side of the aisle was just, all right, this is what we want. And I think as of, I might be wrong, but as of yesterday, they were holding back the, because this money is coming in waves. And I believe they were holding back the last wave. Sure. Because they didn't want as much money uh, set aside for small business loans. So, like, to be honest, it kind of sickened me, you know? Because um, the thing that you mentioned is, like, yeah, the governors, they're not they're not working with Trump, you know, with everything, but as a response to this, they are. Well, that's because they know, you know, like what's more important, being right in a situation against the president or people from my state dying, you know? Whereas the legislative oh, branch yeah, basically just said, <laughs> well, we have as much time as we want, you know? Um, I actually applaud the... Uh, Republicans because they worked through their break. They didn't, you know, like what a time to take a a uh, vacation, you know. They would they work through their long weekend. They're like, we need to get this done. They got it done. Democrats came back and said, nope. Uh, we want these things. And there was in the original language of the bill, there was like they wanted anybody, any business that took money from the government to go to a $15 minimum wage there was gun control. There was, you know, uh, I know there's a lot of diversity requirements. Yeah. Still you know, and prominent. certain things that are like, you know, they wanted diversity quotas on private boards of companies, things like that. And it was like, what does that have to do with the virus response? You know, like exactly. You're trying to, you're trying, you know, as long as you play my game, you know, we, I guess we can play ball. And, yeah, you know, so... Well, in, in American oh, politics, man. everything is cyclical. So, I mean, like, you're, every, every action that you have is setting a precedent. You know, like, so what you're saying is that the next time that the Republicans are in power, you're expecting them to force their will on you and you're going to complain about it, you know, like, I, I just wish people could be adults is, is the thing, but. You know, I think uh, the background to this, and by the way, I don't necessarily disagree with mm. all of the stuff they were putting out. Um, initially, I was kind of like, because they said, oh, we want fuel efficiency standards uh, for airlines. And you're like, seriously? Uh, you know, and this is the, the, the thought, you know, um, but, uh, you know, if you actually think about it, um, you know, 
the federal government is giving billions of dollars. There's maybe millions. I thought it was billions to the airlines to bail them out. Um, you know, and and the requirements mm-hmm. by by 2050. So you know, about 30 years out, and um, you know, they're giving bailout money and basically saying, hey, we're going to give mm-hmm. you this money, but you got to clean up your act. And I don't really have that much of an issue with it. Um, and that goes, you know, you could go to global warming or environmental damage, whatever. But I didn't really have a huge issue with that because, you know, we, you know, we we can set certain standards for, uh, you know, private enterprises yeah. that we are bailing out. To a point. Um, I, I do. I don't like that you know, as regulation to it. Um, but I think part of the problem is going back to... Uh, and this could have happened, you know, in the in the Gulf War or in uh, Yugoslavia, those conflicts. But if it was, it wasn't talked about. Because since Afghanistan and Iraq um, have really kicked into full swing, it's become the norm. And you, I mean, you can look this up. It's it's put out like, you know, every time uh, they do it. Um, and they're not even really coy about it. But uh, both sides, um, particularly Democrats, but Republicans also, will attach riders to bills mm-hmm. that fund wars. So like, hey, <laughs> essentially uh, <laughs> holding their own government hostage, like, uh, you know, and the military, um, you're going to lose this war or you're going to be very debilitated if you don't pass this piece of, you know, non-related yeah. uh, legislation. And I think it could have been called out, you know, decades, literally like decades ago. Um, but it's just become an accepted part of, you know, just like filibustering or, um, you know, any other tactic. Well, it's and, it's and completely I, acceptable. I, I do think that that was called out and I, at the beginning of the Iraq war. Um, there was, I, I don't know if you remember, but Bush was not liked at all uh, for the war. There's a lot of anti-war people, but it's... I think it goes to show you how tribal the politics are in the U.S. I mean, I'm sure it is other ways. Exactly, it because it's, it's like you don't and I actually don't, I don't, stand for anything. You just stand really, against something. You know, like, okay, so riders are bad when the Democrats do it. Yeah. I would also say it's bad when the Republicans do it. You know, and I would support that whether it's the Democrats in control or the Republicans in control, that those things are bad. But I think a lot of people, even though they'll come out against it, you know, well, my guy has a certain letter attached to his name, so it's fine. You know, <laughs> if it were the other way. I don't, I don't agree with like, you know, some of the stuff, a lot of the mm-hmm. stuff going on with desert storm, you know, it was, I don't think it was a very well thought out idea. Um, I certainly don't think the Iraq war was a good idea, especially mm-hmm. when we were still sitting in Afghanistan. But the thing is, it's, you know, as a nation, when you start prosecuting a war, there are serious repercussions to losing it. You know, and it's kind of one of those things where you're like, it's too late to back out now. It's great that you oppose yeah. it, but we're kind well, of in the fight right now. Time, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, if we, if we had gone into World War II, you know, and then a year or two into it said, oh, wait, you know, this was terrible. You know, I realize now that we should have got ourselves into this. It would have dramatically changed the map. Um, you know, and you can put that for almost any war. Well, 
Um, and some are going to be a little bit less significant, but uh, I just, I yeah. just think it's ridiculous that they're allowed to do this. That's really good. Um, you know, and... no, that, that, that's a fair point. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Um, you know, uh, we've talked about it before with like different wars. The history is always written by the winners. You know, so you get a taste of history with, you know, I, I'm not sure, but I mean, off the top of my head, I would say that you know, there wasn't 100% um, support for the war or going into the war um, at the start of it. Um, but, I mean, if you went off the true start of, of World War II, um, the Americans did not want any of it in 1938. Um, but the thing is, is if you start looking at history, you're like, okay, this was going on. This is what they said. This is what, you know, we're going after WMDs in Iraq that Saddam has based on an attack by Saudis from um, Pakistan or Afghanistan, you know, like it didn't make sense, but a lot of people were of a mindset at that point. So it was like, all right, we're all in this together. So, I mean, yeah, if you're talking from a, uh, if you're talking from a strictly geopolitical strategic perspective um, and you're not talking about WMDs or like, you know, bringing freedom around the world um, in at least the second Gulf war, we, you know, Saddam Hussein's Iraq Mm -hmm. was a opponent to us. Um, You know, so in theory we should be good to attack them. But the thing is, is, uh, there's a lot of opponents to us in the area. You've got, um, you know, you've got Syria, Iraq, uh, and Iran were the main ones. And (laughs) as much as they hated us, they also hated each other and feared each other. And, you know, going in kind of bull rushing in there and trying to force this situation, uh, force, you know, this, American-aligned democracy. I'm kind of getting off topic here, but forcing this American-aligned democracy, um, mm-hmm. you know, wasn't well thought out at all. Um, you know, and it was a lot of wishful thinking. And, you know, to be honest, there are some things that kind of go on our... This is going to go into World War II a little bit, but, you know, we invaded I, I, uh, Germany and we invaded um, Japan and uh, at least West Germany and all of Japan became very staunch American allies, very American aligned. They changed a lot of their uh, political, you know, or reverted to a previous political uh, format that they had uh, to closely align mm-hmm. with us. And it works like a charm. Um, you know, something that's not reported is, you know, some of the, the brutality or the uh, anti uh, guerrilla actions taken at the end of world war two, especially in Germany. Um, but uh, it worked. You know, and so maybe that was kind of like, well, it worked then. Maybe it'll work now. And sometimes it does work, but it seemed like there wasn't a big contingency yeah. plan for it. It didn't well, work. And it and that's clearly didn't work. Like, oh, I mean, you've, you've been to Iraq. I've been to Afghanistan. And beyond the, oh, we're in a war. I mean, did you ever talk to any of the Iraqis? I talked to a couple of the Afghanis and it... it they have a very strong culture and you know, it's, you can't, 
I mean, this is way out of left field, but I mean, you can't just go in and say, Hey, this is the, this is the way you guys do politics now. And this is the way you guys live now. And, uh, here's your value system. And, you know, like you can't really, you know, you have to get buy-in from people. You can't just say, okay, this is the way things are now. Yeah. So, and I, <laughs> this is a lot of our conversations go on the phone. We'll just chat and we'll just kind of free range all over, uh, you know, these different topics. And as they pop up, I almost feel like, you know, we could talk mm-hmm. about foreign policy in a completely separate one. Um, and, you know, I did, I'm as guilty as you are and getting off topic, but uh, back to this coronavirus thing, you know, and the, and the legislation that, um, you know, that's something that's kind of frustrated me is, uh, you know, they, basically hold the their own government hostage you know in these situations Mm. and i just think it's ridiculous um you know and i i wish that the state of politics and i wish that the media uh would like you know fairly address this but i just don't think it's the case and to be honest i mean on on the on the one hand, it looks like the Democrats are playing mm-hmm. off we can because they only hold one house. Or they only hold the House, they don't hold the Senate. Um, but on the other hand, you know, they, they mm-hmm. the Republicans don't have a strong majority in the Senate, and uh, they the Democrats have a supermajority in the House of Congress. And um, they have a New York Times article that was adjusted three times uh, to discuss how the Democrats were dealing with this legislation. And the first one read something like, you know, Democrats block mm. coronavirus aid package. And I, you know, the, the statistic, I, I can't remember the, the verbatim, but uh, you know, the first one was very definitive. It was assigning blame essentially to the Democrats for blocking this aid package. And then they changed it and they changed it again. Um, and the final time it was something like I, bipartisan yeah. opposition or, you know, bipartisan mm-hmm. or, you know, d- deadlock in Congress. And it's like, no, that's not what's happening. One party is blocking this, you know. And I just think that uh, the media, you know, I think that they are, um, you know, on the one hand, it looks like the Democrats have kind of a weak hand, like I said. But the thing is, is, you know, they can use that weak hand coupled with, you know, the media, which pretty much falls into line with whatever they start putting out, and uh, yeah, you know, becomes a lot stronger hand. And so you were talking about how it was a tone deaf response, and I totally agree. It was like, really, we're talking about an aid package that could save the economy. And by the way, I mean the oh, economy yeah. is good for rich people, but it's good for everybody. Um, and this is something we talked about. But I mean, you know, it, the banker wants his bonus. You know, you know, three million dollars for a good quarter. <laughs> But everyone else still needs yeah. food on the table, and you don't have it if you don't have an economy. And I, I think we're really seeing that now. Um, you know, the the rewriting of the headlines and, you know, the coddling of this, I mean, it's it's not unheard of. It's, it's not like it's never happened before. But um, I think we're really starting to see it in real time as, you know, um, you know, the Internet never forgets, you know. We see it. Okay, this is happening. This is happening. This is happening. You know, people are starting to put two and two together on their own. Um, and it's not just the Democrats that do it. I'm sure that 
you know, the Republican press office and things like that, you know, rewrite headlines. Not only that, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to go too far into conspiracy theories, but one thing that I have noticed over the last couple of years, I'm, I'm sure it's been there, but uh, I've, I've noticed that the media is fairly pro-China. Um, like, very, very uh, anti-Hong Kong, anti-Taiwan, uh, but uh, very, very pro-China, um, suspiciously so. Um, which is quite odd, you know. It's, yeah. And, well, okay, so, um, you know, and you mentioned Taiwan and Hong Kong. Um, two, you know, one of them is independent of mainland China, and the other one, uh, and you can go into World War II history. This goes right back to the Chinese Civil War, which, you know, directly followed you know, in some cases overlapped uh, World War II in the Sino-Japanese War. Um, but uh, the, the thing is, is, you know, Taiwan is, you know, somewhat significant, but they don't put all, all that much. There's only a few million people there. Hong Kong has been a financial hub for the world, um, you know, for, for decades. Uh, and it's kind of interesting if you actually look into how the, the British mm-hmm. essentially uh, surrendered sovereignty. Uh, of Hong Kong, it wasn't like the Hong Kong, you know, the people of Hong Kong uh, rose up, and it wasn't like mainland China uh, swooped in with their military and took it over. The the British basically mm. almost kind of tried to get ahead of it, I think, uh, but they they surrendered their you know claim to the that Commonwealth, uh, essentially a colony. Um, but the thing is, is you know, in this in this day. Uh, since the 1990s, mm-hmm. China's been a huge player, um, and uh, they're not able to throw on their weights uh, in some arenas that we think of as a big player. Um, you know, for instance, and this is Russia put a uh, relatively large force um, with an air force contingent mm-hmm. into Syria, and they've been really big, uh, really big symbolically, but really big on the ground, you know, fighting the, the Syrian civil war um, and against ISIS. You know, we, you know, we're kind of like the 800-pound uh, gorilla, you know, where, where does that guy sit? Well, wherever he wants. You know, we can pretty much go anywhere um, that's not Russia, not China, and we could put a fleet right there. We can put a, you know, Marines land within hours, you know, that's what we think of as power. China's not really there yet. They don't have as big of a navy as us. Um, they can kind of contest their coastal waters, uh, but beyond that, you know, they're not. They don't have a blue water navy that can do a lot. Um, their army is is good, but the army is not really any good unless you can take mm. directly confront the United States, which they really can't. Um, but in a lot of ways, you know if you look at the growth of the Chinese economy and uh, how things have changed since they opened up, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's massive. We get uh, in, you know, we being, you know, not just the United States, but the West oh, get yeah. a ridiculous amount of product from China mm-hmm. and they get a ridiculous amount of capital from us to do it, which they use to, you know, increase their market share or whatever, you know, and, uh, 
they, we saw this in the NBA scandal, you know, where somebody <laughs> kind of spoke up in support of these Hong Kong protesters. Yep. And then all of a sudden he got shut down. And, you know, you're talking about the media, you know, kind of treating him with kick gloves when they've done some pretty ridiculous things over there. And, uh, you know, the thing is, is they've got billions and billions of dollars uh, involved in the uh, Western financial system. And you could be like, well, you know, that doesn't affect journalism. It yeah. doesn't affect how the product they put out. And you're like, oh, how couldn't it? Mm -hmm. How could it help, you know, not doing that? Um, and the Chinese get really... Uh, they've got a couple key, key issues that they get extremely sensitive on. Mm -hmm. um, in a lot of ways, like this trade war thing, not that sensitive, you know, they're, they're willing to take massive losses and profit, you know, um, to do this. If you mention Taiwan, if you mention Tibet, if you mention, you know, certain other things, uh, the Muslim population in, uh, I believe, you know, North Western China, you know, that have been, uh, suppressed by the mainland government um have they you, get extremely uh, sensitive have you by chance you know they freak out i trump had a phone call with the president of taiwan and uh you know and this was early in his term he had a phone call you know it wasn't like a strategic uh summit it wasn't like he promised them you know all these new weapons or tanks or whatever mm -hmm. um he had a phone call and they freaked out about it so, I mean, and well, I, I and feel I think, like it's, I think it goes it's deliberate. Because, I mean, um, we've had know, they, evidence right now of the NBA being affected, certain things in the media being affected. Um, I don't know if you've seen this, but there's a clip out there of a Taiwanese reporter talking with one of the directors of the World Health Organization. And as soon as she starts asking about the response to Taiwan, he instantly freezes up ignores her questions and then as she starts to push it you know he says well yeah i misheard the question so she asked it again and then he ends the call you know so so i feel like their sphere of influence is you know it's, it's becoming more apparent you know well you know and like uh you know apart from the money that china invests in america um you know, there's a there's over a billion people in the country and they're mm -hmm. becoming slowly but steadily richer. Um, it's considered a massive market for, you know, mm -hmm. companies all over the world. And, uh, you know, the NBA, obviously the biggest, you know, basketball uh, franchise. Um, and you could do this with almost anything, wrestling, uh, fighting, football. You know, it's considered a huge market. Um, mm -hmm. And they don't want to, they don't want to screw that up. You know, and uh, you know, and you could you could go in any direction with this. You could go into the Syrian civil war and how you know how that was covered or not covered. You could go into you know, you know, our war in Afghanistan, how that was covered and not covered. Um, but I just think that you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna blame one party, but you're not even like. <laughs> they revoked mm -hmm. a bunch of press credentials. They kicked a lot of people out of China because they were reporting on uh, problems they saw with uh, mm -hmm. the way the Chinese were reporting their stats. Well, you know, you didn't, there, there wasn't really a big uproar. There was a little bit right away and then it kind of died down. But if you contrast that with mm -hmm. how we look at Russia and how we look at Iran, it's just 
you know, basically it's, it's almost like a double standard. You have parties doing the same thing, but Iran doesn't really have any clout. Um, you know, they're considered sympathetic to a lot of progressives, but they don't have anywhere near the financial resources of China. So they are, you know, they're talking about mass graves in Iran and, uh, you know, going on and on about it, which I'm sure that it hit Iran really hard. But if you look over at China, you're like, really? Like less than yeah. 4,000 deaths in a nation of 1 billion people. Yeah. You, are you sure about this? And they're like, yep, stop asking me about it. Or otherwise, <laughs> get you out of the get you out of the country all right sounds good to me (laughs) (laughs) and i you know there's there's strengths and weaknesses i think a lot of people um all right so little history lesson here you know uh in um athens uh during times of crisis uh the uh government uh the people of athens would appoint one person Mm -hmm. to become a tyrant that's where the term came from and they would um they would have you know they would rule by decree uh you know and it was considered a good move at the time because if there was a crisis you wanted one person centralized authority you know just saying no this is how this is going this is how this Mm -hmm. there's limits to debating something to death you know what i mean um I think that the media and certain figures in America kind of fall in love with that. And I think there's strengths and weaknesses. And this is something that we've talked about and we can go into a whole other uh, subject on it. But, um, you know, they see a lot of strengths coming out of mainland China because mm-hmm. uh, the central government was so quick to clamp down on stuff. And to be fair, they did a lot of, they did a lot of crazy stuff, um, you know, locking people in their home, you know, uh, entire network of informants um all sorts of you know they 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 started to develop a a rewards uh based you know uh if you do this many good things then you're considered a good citizen if you do this many bad things you're considered a questionable citizen they've used that um during the crisis they've done things we can't do um to clamp down on it i do think they did a pretty good job like I said, for a nation that's as uh, relatively speaking, as poor as China is with as many people as it has, as closely packed as they are into these urban areas, I think they did a pretty good job um, mm-hmm. dealing with it once, you know, it became this huge crisis. But on the other hand, <laughs> China's a black hole, an information black hole. And, uh, you know, they basically, if people stop doing business with China, the China, the Chinese economy takes a huge hit. And uh, in a certain line of thinking, you know, I think it's called zero sum game. Um, you know, it can't be win, win, lose, lose. It's only oh, yeah. if I lose, somebody else wins. So in other words, if China loses part of its economy, um, you know, part of their ability to do business, somebody else, the United States, mm. Japan, South Korea will profit from that. And I think that's part of their thinking as far right. as suppressing this. Like in order to compete, um, you're saying. Suppressing news. That's the way that they handle certain things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you don't... And it's not just, uh, you know, in the immediate... Um, okay, so if you were doing business with, you know, country A and country B, but country B kept on having 
just a ridiculous one of epidemics. And every time you try to do business with them, um, yeah. you know, you kept on getting your population infected by country B. Uh, and that might not be entirely fair, but, you know, essentially you don't want to keep on doing business with China. <clears throat> You're not going to see them as this responsible world power if they're uh-huh. constantly having these epidemics, which they are. Uh, so I think that played into it. They're like, oh, no, no, this isn't that big of a deal. And it's like, you know, oh, actually, it is kind of a crisis, but now we're going to assert total state control and take it, take care of it. So their response to it was fine, but part of the problem was... Yeah, you know, they should have had a response. It's just um, being able to, you know, and I call a spade a spade is is basically well. No, what I, I, I would don't say like, and and another thing is legitimacy, and you see this in China, but you definitely see it in Iran. Um, you know, the legitimacy of these this government, you know, their whole their whole spiel is like, you know, talking about Iran, their whole spiel is like. Uh, independence from uh-huh. they're basically you know one of the last non-aligned powers they don't you know they they're they're kind of considered allies to some extent with you know people like uh russia and mm-hmm. china but they really cut their own course they're the only people that have an islamic republic uh they're the only people that have the government system like theirs and they're kind of like north korea they just want to do their own thing and um maintain their own system of government and control and try to push their views, uh, push their worldview um, onto the world to, you know, military action, terrorist action, whatever, political action. Um, but the legitimacy of it, you know, they just shot down a Ukrainian airliner a couple months ago um, because they thought the United States might have launched, you know, a missile uh, and it was just a, it was like, who is running this country? Like, seriously, you guys shot down an airliner that you knew was flying over here because you thought the Americans might fire a missile because you launched a bunch of missiles at them. Like, you know, this is just ridiculous. And it caused an uproar there. And uh, to some extent, I think this coronavirus has also caused an uproar because it's like, really, we're this great independent nation that doesn't need anyone, but, you know, thousands of people are dying from this like you know we're not accepting outside help we're not enacting effective you know we're, we're not managing this competently and they're like well no actually hardly anyone is affected you know they're suppressing their statistics but it's like oh really a massive part of the government tested positive for it yeah and i think i mean in some cases i think that is because you know People in leadership positions are expected to, you know, lead from the front. Uh, you have like, you know, President Trump touring CDC. Not necessarily a smart idea. It's not like he's going to be able to do a lot there. You know, he can gather some information on the ground, so to speak. But, uh, you oh, know, yeah. it's kind of a risk putting him there around a lot of potential carriers. Well, I think they did a similar thing in Iran. Um, and a lot of their top people got infected. Some of them died. Uh, they were quite old. Um, but I think part of it is, you know, you're saying 1% of the population has this virus, but 20% of the representative body has this virus. Yeah. So probably more like 20% yeah. of the population has this virus, right? And they're like, oh, no, 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 that can be. Yeah. You know, and I, I just and think that. Plays yeah, I, I, I think it goes more to 
understanding the true intentions of somebody. Not necessarily prescribing them to, all right, this person is inherently bad or this are you know. Um, but, you know, the why for why things happen this way, why um, people act this way, things like that. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. The, the you're talking about response. the government officials? Well, not even the government response. Well, the, the information that's been released by the government. But. All right, so we're about an hour and four minutes into this. Um, one last thing I wanted did want to talk about was uh, what do you think about? Um, and this isn't like your scientific opinion that you put together in a thesis. Like, uh, what do you think about uh, the measures taken as far as social distancing go? Uh, I'm glad you, you mentioned that. What, do you um, what are your thoughts on that? You know, the, I'm I'm kind of split, right? Because like like we said, the economy has to function. Things things have to be done. Um, I know you're an essential worker. I'm an essential worker. Um, as silly as it is, you know, it's we're still uh, flying planes every day. Um, it's kind of just making our job harder. Right now, I'm locked down on a military base somewhere um, because of this whole virus response. Um, as far as the social distancing goes, it's, it's, it's tough. Um, I mean, we could probably go into this in a, in a future episode is just, I've been around enough people that I know that the average person is not intelligent. Um, and it like, you tell, like, <laughs> you know, I, I'm sure, I'm sure you got the guidelines. And at first, it was like, all right, make sure you're washing your hands. You know, like, kind of obvious stuff. You know, don't sneeze in other people's mouths, and you know, um, and then, yeah, <laughs> and then it, just, it went from there. You know, and it like, it's it's tough because on the one hand I'm like, all right, look, you know, you don't want this to, to debilitate everybody. Statistically speaking, <laughs> you know, I'm like, you know, is that a sacrifice that the U S could make is like, all right, these, this many people will probably die, you know, well, that's, that's a topic for a different time. I, I don't know. I, I feel like you, we shouldn't have to social distance in the ways that I'm like, you know, um, if you ever look on YouTube, there's a really interesting uh, experiment that Adam Savage from Mythbusters did about um, germ transmission, right? And um, it's, it's such a simple video. Okay. And I, and I fall back to it so many times. It's like, he set himself up a little, you know, apparatus of like a runny nose, right. With some UV dye in it. And, uh, he simulated having a dinner party with like six people. And, uh, he was like, look, okay. So in the first part, I'm not being careful. Um, I'm sneezing on people. I'm wiping my nose and then grabbing other things and, you know, blah, blah, blah. 
and they're sitting around a table close proximity. And at the end of the experiment, like the whole table, all the spoons, basically all the people were covered in this UV dye because, you know, that's how germs are spread. And then he did one where he was like very careful sure. about everything. Um, you know, um, hey, I might be sick. You know, I'll still be at the table. I'm going to cover my mouth. I'm going to, you know, things like that. And like very few germs were passed. I mean, there were still some that were passed, but um, as far as the, the social distancing, I kind of think at this point, the only way that we're going to stop the spread of this is to social distance just because of like, like, <laughs> have you seen the pictures of people like even like members of the house of representatives in the Senate, like not knowing how to wear a mask correctly, you know? Um, and like you and I haven't, we're mm -hmm. not like super medical mm -hmm. people, you know, like nurses, but both of us worked in, in a food uh, prep for a while. So, you know, you don't wear gloves to <laughs> protect yourself necessarily. You know, you wear protective gloves when you need to protect yourself. But for the most part, what the gloves are there for is to avoid cross-contamination, right? But people don't understand that, you know? So, like, I've seen all kinds of pictures of, like, mm -hmm. you know, people handling their phone with their gloves, putting it in their pocket, getting into their car, taking their gloves off and bringing their phone out. And it's like, all right, you just defeated the purpose. So, so I, I mean, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, yes. I mean, we, we, and we've talked about this is like, you know, the, the difference between like, you know, okay, we have to social distance. So everybody's going to be on quarantine for a certain amount of time. Um, but the government doesn't say that's right. And, you know, there's this big out backlash. Well, do you want everybody to die? Well, there's a big backlash before we went into quarantine. Like, what are we going to do if we're quarantined? You know? Um, and the, the thing is, is like, it depends who your source is. Yeah. You know, if you talk to a doctor, they're, they're not going to say like, well, you know, for the good of your family, economically, I think that you shouldn't social distance. That's not the question you ask. And, you know, you say, they say, well, you know, for it to be effective, this is what you have to do. You know, <laughs> they're, they're looking purely at, hey, what do I do to stop this disease? You know, not necessarily, you know, are you going to financially ever recover from it? You know, in the words of Joe Exotic. If you, if you, if you, <laughs> if you looked at this from a purely medical point of view, um, you know, you would probably it just, like I said, purely medical. You have no other considerations. Uh, you know, you would probably oh, yeah, encourage uh, permanent social distancing. Um, you, know, you would reconfigure the economy to accommodate this if you needed to. But, uh, you know, we're talking about, you know, uh, thousands of people that died from this. And then, you know, the stats, I know they've been put out there, like 600,000 people died in uh, – 2017, I believe, 2017, 2018, mm -hmm. like over 600,000 people died of uh, the seasonal flu. 
huge killer, totally preventable. If you use social distancing and you wear a mask everywhere and you wash your hands constantly, and you sanitize everything constantly, hugely preventable. Like, you know, you're going to encourage that. Um, but at the same time, you're like, okay, well, <laughs> can't always afford to do things the perfect right way. Um, oh, you know, yeah. and nor am I inclined to necessarily do it that way. Uh, you know, would probably a medical professional looking at it from a purely medical point of view would be like, wow, we've had, you know, over 100,000 automobile deaths in 2017. Totally preventable. Yep. Just, you know, take a taxi or mass transit. You know, we're, we're popular. Well, and, well that's great yeah, and everything, like, but I'm still going to drive my car. You know, like, the average person is just constantly gambling with themselves, you know. And it's like, is this a safe bet or is this a risk? You know, like, 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 okay, I need to climb on a ladder to change oh, yeah, a yeah, yeah. Well, the ladders are inherently risky. I'm only climbing up two steps. You know, like, is this an acceptable risk? And I think, I think that goes into the person. Oh, exactly. You know, and it's like, well, <laughs> I've got to get out of bed today. <laughs> I mean, it's a statistical it's nightmare to think about. It. It's like, <laughs> all right, well, if I don't get out of bed, I could get bed sores and, you know, die from a staph infection. You know, like, there's there's always an alternative, you know. Uh, what about you? Has, do you think that this, this social distancing and some of these, like, things that we put in place are are effective? Do you think they're being used effectively? Um, yeah, I, uh, I don't really have any big issue with them. Uh, you know, one thing I, <laughs> I got to point this out at, at a local gas station, um, they put uh, like a plexiglass and I'm probably not plexiglass, but it's like a clear plastic um kind of barrier that hangs oh, yeah. down uh in front of the cashier between the cashier and the customer um totally translucent you know you can see right through it um you could hardly even see it's there uh initially but uh you know i thought oh that's a kind of a good idea you know at least they're not like you know breathing the same uh -huh. air as you right next to you and then i came back a few oh, days really? later and uh this thing was filthy <laughs> Yeah, and I'm, I'm people breathing and coughing and whatever, and uh, you know, just dust accumulation. But the thing is, filthy, yeah. and I'm like, you know what? Maybe it's a good thing that that was there. Maybe that should always be there. Um, and that's kind of what I think about this social distancing stuff. It's like, you know, certain situations. You know, you're in a theater or you're in a restaurant. Um, certain other public yeah. gatherings, uh, you're going to be in a crowd of people. Uh, but. Uh, you know, when you're not, yeah. you know, um, maybe you should use these distances. And uh, one thing I do want to, and this is just kind of going back to my um, experience, uh, 2009, um, when I enlisted, mm -hmm. uh, I went to Fort Knox, Kentucky, uh, for OSET training. And uh, little did I know, the first uh, week, I think it was like a week or a week and a half, was um, what's called in, reception. In the, I don't know if you want some similar I'm, experience. I'm somewhat familiar with But basically, okay, yeah, maybe you guys have a different procedure. But uh, basically, um, 
you know, they put together when they go through training. I didn't know any of this stuff. I was just totally illiterate. Um, and by the way, I didn't know all this stuff even like after I got through basic training, but, uh, basically they put together training units that strongly resemble actual military units. Um, and they're called that they're, they're platoons and companies. And, uh, you know, they have captains and first sergeants and, um, that's, that's how they, uh, operate. Okay. And they fill these from this pool called reception. And, uh, when you get there, there's no actual training unit ready to take you. They're training somebody else. And then, you know, after, you know, a few weeks time, they finish their training cycle. They, uh, graduate. Everybody's graduated. If they haven't recycled people already, that's when they recycle them. And that, that means by the way, to re go through training, uh, sometimes the whole portion training, sometimes just a portion, uh, you know, like halfway through. So, um, in reception, I sat there for about a week and a half, um, mm-hmm. and I can't even really honestly think of, remember very much of it. I just know it was incredible boredom, and uh, we spent hours and hours and even days oh, really? sitting in a giant room with no chairs. <laughs> it, was, it was terrible. Uh, and I, I, I'm curious to see if this is a similar system they have today. But, uh, you know, you fell in in um, platoons and uh, for like certain time, I think you had to do it a few times. You had to do it before chow every day. So breakfast, lunch and dinner. And then you had to do it, I think, a few other times. And then they took us and marched us uh, partly to teach us marching and then partly to march us to go get what we needed. Um, We needed a during reception we needed to purchase okay. all of our like um hygiene items that we were going to use for basic cleaning and we had to get haircuts and we had to get shoes but literally like the majority of this time um and thankfully i don't remember a lot of it uh we just sat there uh in a giant room with no chairs on the floor um for hours and people would just they would just fucking cough all over the place like this whole place just sounded like a cough factory and uh the thing was was um you know i came from minnesota there's a few other people that came from me with minnesota there's a few other people that came from the midwest uh there was some people from cali um texas was well represented uh the deep south um i don't know I don't think I met any New Englanders, but I'm sure there's some there. In other words, they're from all over the country, Puerto Rico as well. And uh, basically, you know, <laughs> just brought this like terrible cacophony of yeah. uh, sickness. And well, see, people, everybody just got terribly sick. Air Force Base training uh, is flu like symptoms. We don't have reception. We have like an hour. We got off the plane. 20 minutes later, we're brought back to this uh, conference room and uh, like receiving hall. And then you're divvied up into. What was that? 
You got me? Okay. So it looks like we're having some difficulties with this. Are you there? Yep, I'm here. Okay. So, yeah, basically, I was talking about we were both in basic training at the same time um, during the swine flu epidemic uh, way back. And uh, basically, it's just a dirty place. Like, you have people who have never learned about hygiene and yeah, everybody gets sick. If that's, you know, a classic example of like a Petri dish of just mismatch of all kinds of different junk together. I mean, I don't know what else is, but uh, yeah, it, uh, it was an experience. You know, everybody gets sick and you just you can just see like you know, people sneezing on other people's things accidentally, you know, and just doing gross things <laughs> unintentionally of course oh, yeah. but, but it, it does happen and uh and yeah and, and that's the thing is you know social distancing is isn't so much it's it's partially protecting you from others and like partially protecting others from you um because who knows what, what side of the spectrum that you fall on or, you know, what's going to happen or even how this is transmitted, you know, there's, there's other ways of that. But, but uh, anyway, um, even after our technical difficulties, it looks like, looks like we got a, uh, a good first uh, podcast in the mix. Uh, hopefully, uh I think we were talking about doing this uh, as a weekly thing um and we'll see we'll see if anybody uh is interested in this and <laughs> i'm sure as uh, as things progress we'll come up with more social media and things like that but uh, yeah we'll try and probably keep it a little bit shorter next time and uh, a little bit more targeted this one's a little bit more free-ranging because we're both still getting into the uh <laughs> getting in the groove of putting this out but uh yeah next week or you know even sooner we can we can pick a topic uh, discuss it, um, and like I said, we we might try bringing another person in at some point, um, or you know, a person in a, as a special thing. But uh, you know, we we have we have conservative roots, uh, me and John here, um, but it's like working class. You know, it's not like uh, think tank or you know, entrenched political roots. It's like you know, that's just my worldview. My worldview will probably change a little bit over my lifetime, but you know, I, I kind of set my ways now. Um, but I kind of look at things from that perspective, um, and you know, I try to keep an open mind. But that's kind of what we're putting out. <laughs> yep, it sounds sounds like a good deal. So if you are listening to this and you're interested in what we're talking about, or you'd like to know more. Um, try and get in contact with, with us shoot us an email um, with the link that is associated with this app whichever platform that you're listening to and on um, and we'll try and get back to you as quickly as possible um, besides that uh, we'll, uh, hopefully you'll hear us again next week <laughs>